Hey guys, just a quick one before we get started. Uh, I know not everyone wants to hear me and Brad just ramble on. So if you want to get straight to the football analysis, if you want to get straight into the game, uh, we start about 16 minutes in. Cheers. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. Welcome back to the Different Knock podcast, episode number 11, with Alexander Moneypenny and my very good friend, Bradley Adams. That intro is becoming iconic, Brad. It is. I, I'm, it is. I'm just going to call it out. It's becoming iconic. I might. Um, I was just saying, we, we recorded an episode before this, which um, you'll never hear because uh, it went wrong, technically. Uh, but I, I, was, I was just asking Bradley, is there a colder word than colleague? I might start calling you my colleague, yeah, and sort of change change the word every time, but based on you know how much we've spoken that week, whether you've annoyed me or not. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I don't think there is. I mean, we 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 were having a conversation kind of before about podcasts where you can definitely tell yeah. um, if the people like each yeah. other or not, <laughs> and or whether they've been put together by some like network, and that like they're just like yeah, yeah. Um, well, as my colleague was referring to earlier, and you're like, okay, <laughs> it's like, and it's it's meant to be like friends chatting about football, but you're like, okay, you don't yeah. like each other. <laughs> you guys are not friends at but all. Luckily, we love each other, Brad. Right? We do. We are Brad best friends. We're best friends. Uh, how you doing, man? How's your week? Yeah, good, mate. Good, good, good. Thanks. Uh, not much to report. Nothing really happened. Still in the, still on that job hunt grind, like everyone still else. Still on that I job guess. hunt. What what have um, you what have you what have, you, what have you applied for this week? Oh, mate, I've been slanging out CVs like a Jehovah's Witness on a Sunday. Like, <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. I've, I've, I've given out so many, so many. Um, I love the word slanging out. What a great, slanging what a great out. phrase. <laughs> hey, you got, you've got to use the vocab. You've got to use the vocab. Is this to keep what, people interested. Is this what the kids are saying? This is what the the, the cool kids are saying. The cool kids. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't know. Um, Me neither, I, mate. I'm I'm cat sitting up north for a friend called Cat, which is very confusing. Um, so you might actually hear the cat in a bit. It's called Muffin. It meows a lot. Whereabouts are you? Uh, in a, in an unspecified location up north. <laughs> in an unspecified location up north, that I am not allowed. To, the, the the listeners are not allowed. <laughs> the listeners no. are not allowed in case they track me. Listen, they found Gabrielle, so who knows? They did. They did. I was on Mohammed El Nenny's Wikipedia last night. Don't ask why. I just was. Just um, having a look. Just having a look. And I found this, Brad, and I wanted to share it with you because I think it's 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 something you probably... Well, if you knew this about Mohamed Al-Nani, fair play to you. So, in July 2019, the body of a man believed to be a thief attempting to steal electrical cables was discovered on Al-Nani's property in... I'm not going to attempt to say that word because my Egyptian girlfriend will kill me. Egypt. The body was discovered by his... <laughs> <laughs> the body was discovered by his father, who immediately reported the incident to the police. It is believed that the man was electrocuted trying to steal the cables. I clicked on personal life. That's all Wikipedia has about Mohammed Al-Nani's personal life. No, nothing about his marriages or any relationships, nothing, no, no children. Just that a man tried to steal his cables and he found him dead on his property. There you go, Brad. Maybe, maybe Al-Nani murdered him. 
oh, start a conspiracy. I kind of want to start a, a little segment every week, like things you didn't know about Mohammed El Neni. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> we, we could... just make some bullshit up. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm, I'm sure we could do some research, Brad, and find out some some fascinating stuff some about hard hitting facts about old Mo. Uh, he's doing well at the moment. Should we should we should we see if we can send send him an email? Get him on get him on the pod. Get him on the pod. <laughs> Hi, will you come on our, uh, our our podcast, which has ten episodes, uh, for no reason? Um, yes. Oh yeah. What's what's one Arsenal player that you'd love to kill? Uh, interview. Interview. A cur- current Arsenal player. Current current Arsenal player you'd love to interview. Ooh. It depends on the, it depends on the the type of interview. Are we talking like an interview where they like reveal actual information, or one where they just say, "Yep, yeah, great, got the three points, fantastic" kind of interview? Free free reign. You can ask them whatever questions you want, and they and they'll answer honestly. Current current Arsenal uh, player. Uh, pro- uh, probably Ozil. Yeah, probs Ozil because he's been there for ages, and I think there'd be some really interesting stuff you'd 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 get out of him. And you'd find yeah, you out could, about what's going on. Yeah, and you'd probably find out about the Wenger leaving kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. And this is the thing, like, I, I find in a lot of kind of football journalism, like, people ask footballer stuff, but it's so bland. Someone, I think someone asked someone in a press conference yesterday, I can't remember which press conference I was watching, but I think someone asked Arteta, maybe it was Arteta, yeah, do you want to win the match? Or maybe it was to Klopp. Like, genuinely, the question basically was... You know, you've been on a you've been on a good run of games, blah blah blah, and they and they dressed it up to sound like a really professional question, and then essentially asked him, "Do you want to win the match?" <laughs> I was just like, "What is this, <laughs> mate?" It's, I, 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 there is just a there's a weird thing going on, and I've seen it re- kind of reported about uh, and like said on online because I watch a lot of um, YouTubers and like almost you watch the kickoff, Brad. Just say oh, it. I watch the kickoff. I watch Hugh Wizzy. Uh, and a couple of others. Oh, Brad, just get over Hugh Wizzy. Hugh Wizzy's a don. You he love is, him. He is the god. He follows me on Twitter now because I does retweeted he? one of his posts. Yeah, because um, he, he does like follow back things where if you retweet one of his posts quick enough, he'll follow like the first three people. And um, he follows me back now, which kind of gives me life. Brad, how old are you? 24. <laughs> Alex, it's been a slow year. Let me have this. Um <laughs> And there seems to be like a lot of negativity and um, almost like people, these journos who like work for Sky Sports or like kind of those companies in general look down at the people that are kind of making podcasts, doing it on Twitter, doing it on YouTube. When realistically, some of the punditry I've seen from these people is just fucking horrific. Like the entire, like Rio Ferdinand, I actually rate as a pundit sometimes. Yeah. But Champions League final all he talked about was how he got pissed after winning it and i was like this this isn't what i'm watching punditry for i don't give a shit what you did on your nights out rio yeah talk to me in depth about what you saw from the match and the whole point of you being there is to give me insight into something that as a fan i haven't seen i might might have missed yeah i really rate carragher on sky because i think he he can immediately break down tactical components in a way that is understandable but mate some of the best analysis i've ever seen has been on twitter has been oh, on just like random people's websites absolutely and, and in youtube because these guys are just obsessed um yeah that's the thing is i think that a lot of these people that are doing it on youtube or on twitter now are like football obsessives and they understand the game yeah. and the technicalities of it a lot more than people that have yeah. just worked for sky sports for 25 years i think that's why obviously the soccer saturday group 
has been mm. broken up in 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 a sense and they're hiring new people yeah. and I'm all for it you know they've been doing it for like 15 years and I do get as well like there is a certain element of it where for example a Jamie Redknapp on Sky like I find his punditry a bit like well you know they're going to want to win the match and blah, blah, blah. it's all a bit sort of like basic we are the niche of the niche in terms of football obsessives so like you're not you're not gonna like get that and you need to play to a slightly wider audience yeah i do think there is a space in someone like a liam rossinia in a carragher even in a neville sometimes where they can do that deep dive and they can go in and really explain exactly and i think the foot the modern football fan does want to know that they do you know i saw xg on sky the other day do you know what i mean like i think the modern football times are changing is definitely you know more interested in in that kind of analysis side of things but I think that's why they've, you know, they've broken up the Soccer Saturday crew. They're, they're starting to make changes because they, they're probably going to start to lose audiences because if if you're looking for punditry, it's totally easy. And nowadays everyone has, well, not everyone, because that's a very privileged statement to make. Most people have uh, computers and regular access to the internet. So if they're watching a match and they want decent punditry and they aren't getting it from Sky Sports... They'll stream the match online and just stick on a YouTuber who's watching along and will break it down with them yeah. whilst it's going on. You know, I've started doing that because the punditry genuinely has just been so dire. Mm. But just, I mean, shout out to Mika Richards, who yeah. I think is a brilliant pundit yeah, yeah, yeah. and is really, really coming into his own. There's a whole wider conversation around the Premier League and kind of how it can modernise itself and how we move, we move forward and stuff. And Sky's kind of grip on the Prem... Mm-hmm. I would like to see loosened because like, for example, last night, so I'm, I, I'm not in my kind of usual setup. I'm, I'm up North, as I mentioned. So I had to stream last night cause they, the guy, the guys here don't have sky and I streamed it. At, but if there was a paid, for example, if there was a reliable, str- I missed loads of the game, not loads of the game, but like, you know, on my terms as in like probably about two minutes, but for me, that's loads of the game. I missed loads of the game because I, I was basically having to refresh the stream, and I yeah, and for example, I missed the I missed Lacazette's penalty, the whole penalty because the stream paused, hmm. and it annoyed me so much. And I thought if there was a reliable stream, and the internet here is, is really good, so it's not that. If there was a reliable stream that the Premier League, if they could sort out some kind of streaming service where, say, you paid twenty pounds a month and you chose your ten games that you watched, and you could almost like choose a bit more of your coverage and choose whether you want the pre-match and you know all that stuff. I think if if, if you could give fans the d- digital content digital content um kind of in a more selective and 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 cherry-picked way Definitely. as opposed to you're you're getting this you know do you want the halftime stuff and do you want this or you know i think it's it's um it would be interesting to see how that might change the media space and change mm. how you know because i'm sure sky could um could be involved in that but i'd love to see the premier league and i'm sure they'd make more money if you said to oh, every football fan 20 pound a month to watch every premier league game and then plus you can add add-ons and add-ons and add-ons. I'm sure people would do it. The Premier the Premier League might make more money, but they might lose some money from Sky because people will drop off Sky Sports and BT Sports. But long term, but long term, it's healthier for the digital space because people yeah. are looking for and they can get what they different want. conversations. You know, for for example, like imagine if if in a, on a digital streaming platform you could choose uh, to have no commentators, for example. Because some people like watching the game like that, mm. and that's and that's fine. Yeah, and, but I, what I'm saying is like there's a there's definitely a conversation around like that being and a an loose option. a loose form of that already exists in the US um, with the NBA. Like I'm quite a a big basketball fan, um, 
and uh, through their app, I'm pretty sure you can select a team and pay like a subscription for the year and just watch all of only that yeah, team's yeah. games, I think. I don't know if I'm correct. Yeah. Please jump, let me know in, in a tweet or whatever if I'm mm. wrong, but I'm pretty sure that that's kind of a service that they offer. And you think, as an Arsenal fan, if you offered me the chance to pay kind of 200 quid for the year instead of 280 quid when it comes to Sky Sports and all I would get is the Arsenal matches, I'm not saving that much money. I'm saving 80 quid realistically, which to me you know being a very lucky man in a decent financial situation even without a job currently it's great because i i would then not miss matches because the issue is is if you want to watch every arsenal match nowadays not only not only do you have to get sky sports but you have to get bt sports it's a lot of money you have to occasionally pay for streams of games in the carabao cup and other things like that. And have a laptop that works in that and have a really yeah. high-speed internet connection. But it's a, it's a lot, lot of money. Of money. It's a lot of money. If I can just cut out the middleman, pay 200 quid, and even if the clubs ran it themselves, like in conjunction with the mm. Premier League, and distributed it, and you think, I would pay probably the same amount of money that I'm, I would pay for Sky Sports mm. or BT Sport or however much, just mm. to have that service of, I get to watch every single Arsenal match. It's streamed. So all I need to provide is a decent internet connection. I don't have to to sort out mm. three different subscriptions and I just pay my money. And then when the game's on, I log onto our website and I stream the game. And yeah, like you say, it would be a fantastic opportunity to kind of yeah. be able to just go, oh, I don't want commentators or I don't want half-time coverage. And whether that would reduce the money you pay or not, it doesn't matter. But just having that option would be brilliant. But it would, it, I think it there's, there's so many advantages as well because it's like it, you know as the Premier League becomes a more international thing, mm-hmm. you know there's people who don't want to watch Sky Sports in English because maybe it's not their first language or you know people who who aren't in positions like we are in terms of, you know financially who can afford that and just want to watch their team their favorite team who they can't do it and they turn to illegal streams and you know of course I think the streaming problem will always be there but I think you can massively reduce it if you make it accessible. And you pick up that money because I hundred percent would have paid for a stream. We paid for that Carabao Cup stream. You know, it was ten pounds, yeah. and it was a pretty dismal game. But, Dead game. But, but we paid for it because we knew it would be a good a good stream. And you know, we had no punditry, no coverage, whatever. You know, so I don't know. I I, I think they've got they've got us by the balls. Do you know what I mean? Like people love football. This is the thing. So 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 yeah. I think they can. There's a there's a there's an advantage on both sides. It's a win win situation. I think they'd make more money because if they made it like this it would become slightly more affordable for the everyday man or woman everyday person as in just as a phrase um cancelled completely cancelled in that moment (laughs) uh you saw the look on my face as soon as i said it i'm i'm facetiming brad at the moment and he went every man every woman and i just saw his eyes light up um yeah it would it would make it cheaper for the everyday person who you know, and although it wouldn't be a lot cheaper, it still could be cheaper. And then they could, because at the end of the day, I'm an Arsenal fan. I occasionally might watch a random game of football because I love football. Like if there's a Brighton v West Ham game on and there isn't an Arsenal game on and I'm in a watching football mood, I might watch it. But the likelihood is, is if you give me an option where I can watch every Arsenal match, I will pay for that and then tune in and watch every Arsenal match. And I think it's the mm. same with a lot of fans. A lot of fans don't pay for more Sky eyeballs, Sports. More ads. 
Exactly. They don't pay for Sky Sports and they don't pay for BT Sport or any of these things because they go, I support a team. Why am I going to pay 40 quid a month when Mm. I'm not going to watch my team play all the time? I'm still going to have to go down the pub to watch my team play certain games. And you can only make it cheaper by, you know, adding broadband and calls and not everyone Mm -hmm. everyone wants that. Uh, We had a game of football last night. We did, Bradley. Uh, We won on penalties at Anfield in the Carabao Cup, uh, 4-5 on penalties. Um. Yeah, it it's one of those games, isn't it, where you don't care until it's getting to those final stages, and you're like, "Oh, it'd be really, be really good to beat Liverpool tonight. It'd be really good." Yeah, because uh, I was sort of going. There were some moments in the first half where I was sort of going, "Okay, well, if they get a goal, and you know, if we, you know, if it's one nil or whatever, I'm not, you know, it reduces the fixtures and stuff. Okay, maybe it takes away some opportunities for some first team players, but I, uh, some sort of." Um, sort of, you know, fringe players, but I can, I can sort of deal with that. And then by the end, I was going, mm-hmm. we need the fixtures. We need to give the Nelsons and the Willocks the, the runouts. It's an opportunity for a trophy. I want to win. I want to win it. I want to win it. And I was like, you know, hoping for a, for a decent draw. And obviously we've got City. So that'd be a great game. Um, so yeah, what, what was your sort of thoughts overall? I, 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 I felt, you know, I felt we did really well. I felt like we learnt a lot from the game on Monday. I think that came out in our Testers press conference. He basically said that, you know, they, they worked on some things, um, in the week uh, that, that they'd learned from Monday. And I thought overall we did we did pretty well containing them. Obviously it wasn't Liverpool's kind of first strength 11, but uh, full strength 11. But, you know, they had Salah and and uh, and, and, and Van, Van Dijk. Dijk. So, you know, it's... Um, Played 60 minutes or yeah. so. So they, were, they, weren't, they weren't just kind of only running out of the kids. Look, I thought it was a, a decent game. Um, Leno again proved why he is... You know, a very good goalkeeper. He's an unbelievable shot stopper, pulling off maybe like seven saves yeah. on the night. So, <laughs> okay, here we go. <laughs> so, uh, don't get me wrong. I, I said I said it on the last podcast, which was amazing, by the way, with Connor. It was really good, unbelievable. Yeah, please go give it a listen if you haven't already. Yeah, Ticker Ticker Connor, such a nice guy. So, that's not his real name, by the way. <laughs> Imagine. Uh, yeah. So. Leno is a top class keeper. I said that last episode. I really believe he's a he is a world class shot stopper. I really yes. believe that. Some of the things he pulled off last night were incredible. Unbelievable. Now, don't shoot me. But I don't think he's as good as everyone thinks. No, I'd agree with you. Because a lot of those shots you watch, there was a, I think it was the Gruwich chance where he had to parry it. And it looks really athletic, and there's a really amazing photo that I retweeted of, of Leno. A better keeper is in a better position to stop mm. that, and doesn't have to pull off an athletic save. Mm. A, a slight, you know, and I'm not saying better, but as in there's millions of better keepers. I'm talking the the, the next maybe elite. ten up from where he is, yeah. the elite levels, the Allisons, the Edisons, the you know the the Stegans, right, or the Oblaks. Those keepers, they're just that half a yard back. They're anticipating it. The elite keepers, they're just that, they're not pushing that shot from, uh, forgive me, but it, it, it goes to Minamino in the first half and he hits the bar, that chance. Yeah. They're not pushing that out to Minamino. Now, these are tiny, tiny, tiny little things. And people, people watch those games. I'm sure, I'm sure there's people screaming at their phones or whatever they're listening to this on right now going, that was incredible. He's amazing. He's an amazing keeper. And he's, you know, I think we're talking last, last week about like the real rebuild and stuff and who we'd go for first. Leno is, you know, 
really far down on my priority list in terms of people we should be replacing. Of course, I loved his confidence in the in the press in the post match saying, "I am the number one. I was the number one, and I will be the number one." Um, I love that. Like that's incredible. Yeah. That's my Ben Leno impression. Um, uh, you're not impressed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just staring at me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just think. There's another elite level mm-hmm. of shot of of goalkeepers who don't do that, and I think it's like the Allisons and the the Edisons and and all those sorts of sorts of guys. You don't watch them, and of course their teams are much more defensively strong, but you only see those kind of you know Leno is pulling out those seven eight shots a game. Now I'm not saying you know obviously when you're facing however many shots it was against Watford. You know, he yeah. Last he, season, it was like twenty-one against. Yeah, Watford. of course, you have a wider, wider pool of shots to be saving. Of course, there's going to be compilations of you saving amazing shots. Incredible, but there's also a part of me going. There must be an element of that where his his positioning, his uh, he worries me with his distribution. Sometimes I think he picks the wrong pass and dallies. Um, I think his height. He's not massively present. Listen, he's an incredible keeper, but I think the kind of the you Leno doubters rah, 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 stuff is it's okay to criticize a player exactly yeah look this is the issue I don't think I don't want him to fail he's an Arsenal player I want I want him to perform out of his skin and be in the team of the season at the end of the season I want that from every single Arsenal player I always want them to to succeed of course but that does not mean that they are kind of safe from criticism and while he is a world-class shot stopper unfortunately in my opinion I don't know if you share this opinion that's all he is he's terrible when it comes to collecting crosses maybe it's a height thing maybe I, it's I don't a know if he's terrible thing. but he's just not he's not but as in uh, when you can he's not when you consider the level needed in the Premier League terrible is maybe harsh but he isn't he's not good at it I never feel comfortable about him coming out and collecting a ball or anything like that. Uh, and it's the same with the passing. I think the passing is substandard for what we need. And if you look at the transition that we're currently going to be making into a certain type of side, we are going to need a keeper that's decent with his feet. It's the Joe Hart situation at Man City, again, in that Joe Hart was a fantastic shot stopper. You know, the man's got three golden gloves to his name. Anyone that kind of disrespects his time at City is an absolute mug. He's got two Premier League medals and three golden gloves. One of the best. But football moves on. Like, one of the best. But football moves on and we are now in a situation where we need a more sweeper-keeper type of role to support this system. My issue is, is I don't believe in the long term in kind of long term that Leno is that and I think that's why you're seeing us when we've sold Martinez being linked to a David Rea um, type who mm. has good distribution levels with both feet can play a decently sliced ball with both feet and it does not surprise me that we're kind of linked to that type of goalkeeper to come in and deputize while we get this system in play and then I wouldn't be surprised to see another goalkeeper take over once we have a more dominant system where we have the right players for that at the moment Leno's perfect because we're nowhere near where we need to be when it comes to defensive solidity and the kind of strength in the midfield we're still cut apart too easily but I can easily see in 12 months time us looking back on the Martinez sale and going Leno was what we needed for this season gone Mm. but Martinez is or that profile of player is what we need going forward because where we will be susceptible is crosses and presses 
hopefully yeah. in the future. And, 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 I, and I don't buy, I think, you know, I see a lot of arguments basically being like, well, they made their choice. And I'm like, they did make their choice, but they also had 20 million on the table and they needed the money. Like, you know, it's, I don't think it was, they made their choice from an equal standpoint. Yeah, they it, made the choice. They made a decision that they had to make because Emmy had two years left on his deal, said he either wanted first team football or he wanted to leave and they got an offer for 20 million. There's been no, yeah. Arteta's like, not, rumors. Arteta has said, Arteta has said like, we had to, essentially, we wanted to yeah. keep them both and we had to. So, you know, it, I don't, I don't buy the, you know, again, I, I, and as, 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 as you clarified earlier, and I think it's really important and I really want people to know this, I want every Arsenal player to be the best, of course. I'm a fan. I want the best for every single player. I just don't necessarily buy this kind of Leno hype that, that, that is, is around to the level, as in he's an amazing keeper, but to the level where, you know, some, I think I saw someone yesterday saying he's just behind Oblak in terms of keepers in the world. And I'm like, guys... Guys. He's in the top fifteen, definitely. Yeah, probably, maybe put maybe Certainly pushing top five the top in the Premier. I think you know top six. Oh, maybe. top five in the Premier. I'd say top. You know, if you're looking at Premier League goalkeepers, you're talking Allison, Edison. Uh, who else? You, Brad. Had you carried on your career? Had I carried on my stellar footballing career? But kind of Addison Ellison. Addison Ellison. Addison Ellison. Allison. Sounds Edison. like an American. <laughs> Like an American teen singer. <laughs> hey, I'm Alice Nelson. Um, yes, yeah, you're talking those two and then maybe Leno because who else is there in the Prem? I can't, you know, Kepa's yeah. fucking yeah. dog shite. No, no, no. <laughs> you know, and they, the fact that they spent £72 million on him and gave him like a seven or eight year contract on like a ridiculous amount of money just does not get spoken about enough. I think the uh, the formation was interesting yesterday. Obviously, we had Pepe on the left. Uh, for sort of the first time. Yeah, I, I thought that was weird. I saw some stats post-game that were pretty positive about him, actually. But in terms of the eye test, I agree with you. Um, I didn't... I You know, he was up against Nico Williams and Reese Williams, I want to say. The right centre-back for Liverpool. Um, the yeah. Williams bros. They're not brothers. Uh, and I was like, you know, come on, mate. <laughs> It's like two kids. Like you've got to be winning some of these duels, and he just, like, I, I, yeah. The, the Pepe conversation we've had. I, I think yesterday he looks a bit. He, he just looks lacking in confidence. There was one point where he was in on goal and he passed uh, to Nketiah, who probably wasn't in good, a better position. But I think a, a confident Pepe smashes it. Smashes it, and and even if it doesn't go in, you you take that you take that shot on. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's an interesting move to stick him on the left. Um, I don't I don't mind it. Uh, just to give him, you know, and potentially almost force him to use his right a bit more in games, um, and and he's obviously able to get round the side and, and and whip a decent ball in. But I don't know. It, it yeah, it wasn't for me. The formation was interesting because I felt like again, as always with Arteta, it's kind of zonal, right? Like you know, we're we're kind of playing. We we looked like we were playing four in defence, which was was interesting. Um, or certainly Saka wasn't tucking into that left 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 wing back role as much. And he was sort of like left, <laughs> like where was Saka? Left, like Joe left what? Like it was sort of just left just on on the um, left. And, you know, we had sort of yeah. It, it's interesting, and I, I wonder. You know, obviously we've got Salah there. Um, Williams is, uh, can deliver a decent ball. I think he Williams can can dribble. I saw he's 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 he dribbles more than Trent. So I wonder whether that was a, a consideration. But yeah. Interesting to note the formation. I think I think it's interesting when whenever the team news comes out, everyone goes, "Is this a four three three? Is this a whatever it is?" 
I think it's always just best to wait for the game and and see what see what that is because it's, I don't think Arteta really sticks rigidly to those things. He kind of just has something. Modern football is transitionally dependent. Yeah, your playoff like and I know I'm seeing loads of tweets about people going like, oh, you know, Arteta's playing like Mourinho, sticking eleven men behind the ball and whatever, and I'm like. People that make these tweets do not understand just basic football. The whole point is you're not meant to let the other team score. If that means you stick what? ten, if that means you stick ten men behind the ball in the defensive transition, you do it. And then you have to. in the offensive, yeah, of course you fucking do, especially against the Liverpool or against the Man City. And I'm seeing these tweets and I'm like, what, should we just make it easy for them to just waltz right through and score? But again, it's that... It just makes no it's sense. It's that understanding of the, the, the game is shifting to that kind of P&P thing of like, you know, players have to be able to run probably two or three extra kilometres a game compared to maybe Absolutely. 10 years ago. And they're, they're mass, massive athletes. And, and, and you, you know, you watch like, Henri would never be doing what Aubameyang's doing. No, 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 no. Perez no, no. would never be making the defensive contributions of Willian. You know, like the whole, the team defends and the team attacks. And um, you can only do that by unreal fitness levels. And that's why Liverpool are are doing so well because mm-hmm. they, they have these incredible fitness levels wherever they may have come from, Bradley. Wherever they may have come from, Alex. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought Saka was incredible. Again, yeah, he just, oh, wherever he's, he's played. He's a 19-year-old. Or is he, eight? I think he's 18, 19. He's unbelievable. And congrats right. on the England call-up. He's not listening, yeah. but congrats. Also, I think this... I mean, it's interesting as well because now if he does play in either of these games, he can't play for Nigeria. Yeah. So I don't I don't know whether it's just a we'll give him a game, then he's like locked in for life and then... Yeah, maybe it's a, a maybe it's a kind of a cynical thing. But, you know, he he can make that choice himself. And I'm also not... I'm also not... I think he absolutely deserves this call-up and I think that Gareth Southgate is an absolute mug who should never be anywhere near the England team. He He's a man who wouldn't be let near a relegation fodder Premier League team. Or, like, his, his, his biggest success is with, like, Championship Middlesbrough. And he got no success with them. I think we talked about on this podcast before. Like to be an to be an England international manager, you're like you don't, you want to be if you're an elite level coach, you want to be coaching elite level teams at club level. So oh no, of course I, I know this, I know this, but I also think that Sam Allardyce is a better manager. Big shame. What was that thing you said about like Aladino? If I was called Aladino, I'd have a Champions League or something. Oh God, yeah, he's mental. But no, honestly, like I just think that. He, you know, he's at least had some success when it comes to Premier League management yeah. and keeping yeah. kind of clubs in in the Premier League, even though it's not particularly pretty football. Yeah, I still think that there are many, many, many levels above what Gareth Southgate offers us as a manager. But the waistcoat, Brad. But he wears a waistcoat. I know, but the, and the, uh, and I, I just think it was a World Cup thing. Like if we, I remember me and you and the whole of our year being in watching like. 2018 World Cup summer, you know, it was amazing. It was an amazing summer. Oh, mate, when Trippier scored that free That kick. was the best. 2018 was like peak year. It was so good. Oh. Tripp- Trippier scoring that free kick. Everyone going you, mental. And then you helped Alfie home, in air quotes, and he broke his wrist. I didn't help. That wasn't me. <laughs> Supposedly you said, oh, I'll, I'll help Alfie get home, and he broke his wrist on the way home because he was this? cycling. He blames you, so have out with him. Alfie's chatting pure bollocks right now. Like, utter shite. 
I never, <laughs> never. He said apparently he was he was so drunk and he, you said you'd help him home and you didn't. And then he broke his wrist. I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing you, Alex, right now, that never happened. <laughs> Call him out. All right, you said it on the podcast. We'll get Alfie on. We'll get Alfie on we, and we'll we, dispute we, We've this. long said we should get Alfie on. It'll be, be jokes. But yeah, um, like it was, it was great, yeah. but... The first good yeah. team we came up against took us the penalties in Colombia, and then yeah. this, and they're not even a great team. They're still a very weak team in comparison. And then the first like actually decent team we came up against, Croatia knocked us out. Yeah, all good, amazing. Brad just had to Sorry take a quick that. had to take a quick call from oh, mate. Quick my ass. Quick my it wasn't quick. I'll be fair. It fucking wasn't um, quick. In the gap, by the way, I I was on Twitter. And I have to share this with you, Brad. Okay, okay, okay. So okay. someone has tweeted at Emmerich Laporte saying, Great to see you back, Eric. Now please, please stay fit for the whole season because we only compete when you're playing. Emmerich Laporte has replied, Who's Eric? Someone's put, Your name is Eric, right? I thought the I'm was just a funny way of writing I'm. Like, I'm Eric Laporte. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> No, oh, that can't be real. Also, in the gap as well, we found out who our opponents were for the Europa League. It's all live. We should do live podcasts, Brad. Do you want, do you want to give me a live little briefing? Because I've not read it yet, obviously. Yes. I've been shouting at someone down the phone. Not shouting at them. This is the, What did you say? I just said, I've been shouting at somebody down the phone. Well, not shouting at them, just being very... Forceful. Shirty. Forceful. Oh, they're just doing their job, Brad. Oh, suck a dick. <laughs> do it better. Do it better. Do your job better. Um, okay, the Gunners are in Group B. Okay. And they will take on Rapid Vienna. Okay. Norwegian side Mold. Oh, uh, dear old Oli, Oli Gunner Solskjaer's old club. And Dundalk. Bradley, I will give you 50 quid if you can name two players out of any of those teams. What was the last team? Rapid Vienna, Norwegian side Mold. Yeah. And Dundalk, who are in Ireland. Dundalk. I'm going to say Ross McCormack, because I've just picked two Irish names. And if that <laughs> if that, if that that plays off... Ross McCormack is a footballer, if you've got this right. I swear to God. <laughs> Where does he play? He plays for Aldershot Town. That wasn't bad, though. Oh, no, I've got no clue, mate. <laughs> okay. Anyway, back to the game. Back to the game. We're talking about the game. Yeah, we we were slagging off Southgate, and then we we were on the game. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I thought it was a, yeah, it was a bit stop start. Um, I thought Liverpool were a bit cynical at times. Um, mm. they they there was a lot of fouls on the sort of halfway line by Gruich, and we were clearly trying to play playing behind a lot. And I think they were they they knew what they were doing, uh, but they did it well. Similarly with us, like with the duels and stuff, I think something I've noticed since Arteta's come in is how how good we've been in the duel. Um, we've been really much better than previously. Yeah, and and like and Ketty was up against Van Dijk, and he's never going to win that. But you can see the intelligence of the push and the oh, push my mic. <laughs> uh, the intelligence of the intelligence of the push and the intelligence of the, um, yeah, the the the, the, the kind of footballing IQ of that of as, course it, it, of the team has kind of dramatically increased. I imagine that's stuff Arteta's saying, and uh, to coin, borrow a phrase from Jose Mourinho on All or Nothing, uh, we're being. We have to be the words I'm not going to use. I, I've I've not watched it. You haven't seen it, okay? I, I've I've I watched oh, well. I watched like twenty minutes of one episode and I just okay. got bored because it's just staged bollocks. Right. Uh, anything else on the game, Brad? Um, 
No, uh, I, the only things I really took from it was the whole kind of Pepe on the left seemed very strange to me, seeing as his best position is like as an inverted winger performing as almost like a second striker, which is where we saw him flourish at, at Lille. So it felt really strange to put him on the opposite side, but I think that you might be correct in the sense that it might be a good run out to try and get him some more time working on his right foot so he's not so left-footed. Um, yeah, and he can do that in training, obviously, but yep. there's, there's nothing like a game. No, of course, of course, of course. And uh, Saka playing kind of that just left side of the pitch, wherever it was, role. Yeah. I thought it was nice to kind of see the lineup being set up in a more traditional 4-3-3 rather than this 3-4-3 we're used to. Um, whether in the defensive transition we did move more to a 5-3-2 or kind of whatever it is, what it is. It is what it is. It um, is what it is. But to kind of see that transition start to maybe come into effect was good. I thought Gabriel had another solid game. Yep, Gabriel and I was think fantastic. He proved what, like, he proved why not playing him against them in the league was a very poor decision by Arteta in this game. I don't know if I agree. Because, but Rob Holding had a but, mare. Rob but, Holding had an absolute Gabriel, mare. Gabriel can only play really on that left hand side, and Holding Holding plays on the right. I mean, Holding was okay. He had a, 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 oh, he was he, he was okay last night. He was poor in the in the Liverpool game on Monday. Mm. I agree. Um, yeah, I thought Gabriel had a great great game. Of course, but um, we've been playing. It doesn't. I understand what you're saying about left footed centre backs, but at the end of the day, I if I'm having to play two left footed centre backs just to play my best centre back part partnership that's what i'm gonna do yeah and you had david louise who was a right-sided who was a right-footed player so it wasn't like we were so dominant way well, he sort of uses both doesn't he? yeah yeah i i don't know i i, I think I, I personally didn't mind not playing gabrielle on that monday i think it, there was a certain amount of sense to it and i think we're, we're in some ways trying to match van dyke who can sort of ping those balls with with david louise and if and if louise pings a ball 60 yards and gets in behind which i think was the plan again on monday um you know, to a Pepe or to a to an Aubameyang on on Monday, you never know. So yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. I think um, Kalasnach was trash. By the way, trash. He's so. This is what I'm saying. I'm so glad football. we're getting like twelve million. It's a really good deal. And fucking him off. It's a really good deal. Um, such a good deal. Yeah. I, Apparently, it's just down to personal terms now. Yeah, they've done really well there. He's he's on something like a hundred grand a week. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to get to get those weights off the bill. But yeah, he was he was poor last night. It was really really poor. He kept giving the ball away. He was sloppy. There were some nice triangles. Um, Liverpool had a tendency to, I think I, I tweeted this like about Xhaka. Obviously, he doesn't really have a right foot, and he uh, doesn't really have a yeah doesn't really have a right foot, and he tends to float balls with his right, which don't you know he tends to be under hit and and that sort of stuff, especially yeah, over the right to um. To who was on the right last night, Willock. Um, yeah, yeah. It, you know he was floating balls over to Willock, and I think they were trying to get him onto his, onto his, onto his right peg, which was was uh, was notable. But and they did that, and and, and the reason I mentioned Kalasnach in that is because he was playing these kind of nice interchanges with Xhaka on that left hand side, and mm-hmm. you know some nice moments, and the only real moments I saw. But when when Liverpool cut that off, Kalasnach just looks isolated, and he's useless. Um, and he just like he is just so one-dimensional and so undynamic now. I don't, I think I think he's lost pace. I don't I don't know what it is. I Speaking think... of pace, Cedric's faster than we think. By the way, yeah, yeah. I just Cedric Cedric's pretty a decent enough right back going forward as a second string right back. 
He's not as good as Hector Bellerin going forward, I don't think. Though I think he delivers a ball better than Hector Bellerin. If you were to put Cedric and Bellerin together and make one player out of them, it'd be brilliant. If you had Cedric's yeah. kind of like final ball and Bellerin's player profile, it'd be amazing. But um, it just doesn't seem to be. But I, the, the way he's suspect is in defence. It seems like all of our bloody defenders are suspect when it comes to yeah. actually defending. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's tricky. And, and again, speaking of defenders, we know Saliba again. Um, you know, and rumours coming out today that he's off to Rennes on loan for a season. Yeah, yeah. Which I think, obviously, like it's also well to say that our condolences absolutely go out to the man because I... I I, his mother died what six was it six months ago or was it i've recently? read somewhere i think maybe recently I, d- I don't know i think his instagram picture is him and his mum, um and it's been changed recently I, yeah i i i don't know i i i feel really sorry for saliba there's a lot of pressure yeah. on him and ultimately arteta is arteta sees him every day in training and i see people absolutely murdering arteta for not bringing saliba in but ultimately if he's not ready i think you know arteta said in his um in his post-match, he said something like, or maybe it was a preview today, he, you know, he almost missed his transition year. He missed that year yeah. of, um, because he didn't play that much. You know, they stopped in March and all, all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And he needed that year to grow and, and develop. And, and maybe he needs that that next year to, to progress. And ultimately, you know, we're we're not in a position to see that. We he, Arteta sees him in every training session. He makes that decision, and I think that's I think that's fair enough. And and if of he course. if he needs that loan, especially because we have so many centre backs, I wouldn't be crazy against it. That's what that's what I was going to say. I think that this this move might be kind of a six of one and half a dozen of the other kind of situation where realistically, does he need a, another year's experience to kind of come in and really challenge for that first team and to kind of be the player we know or we think he can be probably but can he have that year at arsenal no because we haven't been able to shift the deadwood out yet you know talks about socrates to napoli have gone dead nobody's really in for mustafi i've heard nothing about chambers going out we've obviously kept hold of holding which we needed to do at the time because of injuries we're holding on to him but now it seems that we're again so oversaturated that I love how you sometimes just ignore my puns. Just, I'm just leaving just them there. On. I'm just leaving them there <laughs> for everyone else to to have a giggle with. Uh, but it's it is just I think it's, it's, funny. it's it's situational, isn't it? We've got like yeah. bloody eight centre backs on the books, and it doesn't look like we're going to be able to shift a lot of them. Yeah. And one of the ones that we are going to be able to at least send out on loan is going to be Saliba. He's the most likely yeah. option where we can just go to a French club, take him on loan, pay his wages fine and he yeah. gets a year, another year of experience yeah i think um we had a question on this from uh billy jemmett who is at jembo guna and he said eight he just put eight cbs please explain uh <laughs> i i think yeah yeah it, it's it's poor management it's i don't know whether we i think it's a hangover from the kind of ivan gazidis era of things where we yeah. were bringing in players on huge wages on huge wages uh that are kind of either in their latter peak years or just past their kind of peak and we're now in a situation where they have no resale value in yeah. most sense because nobody like napoli didn't want to pay like eight million euros for socrates and you're thinking like i mean fair enough 
he's not exactly a brilliant player, but you think mm. 8 million euros is not exactly expensive, but it's the wages as well. He's, he's on 100 grand a week. Kalazanak is on 100 grand a week. You know, Mustafi's on 90 grand a week. We've ha- we've got so many aged players who we are struggling to shift out because we gave them bumper deals that now... Yeah. And especially during coronavirus times. And there's mm-hmm. no point selling a player for, you know, just, just because you want them sold if it's going to be millions and millions less than you're going to, you would get for them, say even in January, you know, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, but the thing so, is, yeah. is Mustafi's deal is coming to an end. I think Socrates's deal comes to an end at the end of this season. There's a lot of our centre-backs who we are probably just going to end up letting go on freeze because we can't shift them. And we're go with, because if we're going to let, if, if Saliba does need a transition year that he hasn't yet, gone i kind of pose this question to you and the listeners is it not better to keep a socrates as a fourth choice center back and keep a mustafi and then let them walk on a free next year and just pay their wages and then give him another transitional year in an easier league where he'll actually get more than 16 games played rather than giving them away for free now bringing a player in that isn't ready that could shatter his Mm. confidence and then ruin the top prospect that he could turn into. Yeah, I, I think with every one of those cases, there's been a, it's almost mistakes have been made, or we're, we're in a situation. But however we got there, by you know whether it's the club who made mistakes, whether it's the player who's not ready, whether it's the player who's too old, or massive, mm-hmm. whatever it is, we're in a situation whereby realistically, probably. We only want to hold on to, I imagine, long term, maybe Gabriel and Marie, like maybe Gabriel Marie and Saliba, and, and, and probably Saliba long term. But you know, still we're waiting to to see on that one, you know, because we don't know how he'll adapt to all that sort of stuff. So I think you know to answer uh, Billy's question, I, I, we can't explain because it, it's something that is, has happened to a point where you know we, we, this is a hangover, as as you put it, from the Gazidis era from from all of these things coming together where we've found ourselves in a situation. I, I don't I don't blame Arteta. I don't blame Edu. I think I feel really sorry for them because in every single situation, you know, Chambers, he's someone who potentially could have been sold. He's injured. Socrates, who's who, who's who's going to, you know, maybe they couldn't get a, a buyer from Socrates, he's 32. Mustafi, same situation. And who's going to buy him in coronavirus times when you can get him next year at, at a decent age on a free? On a free. Um, Rob Holding, you know, we need to hold on to him. Sorry. We need to hold on to him because he's... He's one. He's one of our only right-sided centre backs, and we don't have, um, you know, that many options apart from apart from Mustafi, who I don't think Arteta particularly rates. You know, all of these things, and every in every situation, there is a there is a, you know, apart from Gabriel, who's like he's great. We've got him. Let's move. David Luiz, he's going next year. You know, so. Uh, I, I do feel sorry for it, and 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 in Saliba's case, I think it might be best if he if he goes out on loan. I I'm I'd agree. I think I'd agree. I think that the main issue is if we get the midfield sorted this summer. I I know I harp on about it, but if we get the midfield sorted, and then next summer we can kind of focus on rebuilding that defense with the players we've got, and if we need to add, because you probably need between four and five centre backs from for a Premier League season kind of four staple steady centre-backs that can play a game and then a youngster that you can throw in the Carabao Cup. 
And if you're looking at next season, those four players are likely... Uh, we've only got three of them. We've got Saliba, we've got Gabriel, and we've got Mari. The rest are kind of up for debate. So it might even be that this summer we saw out the midfield. And and even, and even of those, Saliba and Marie, you could contest as well. Saliba so. and Marie, you could currently contest. I, I don't think we should contest Saliba because I think he was, in the games that he played last season for Saint-Étienne, he was doing brilliantly against, you know, PSG where he was up against Neymar and Mbappe. I think I, do, I can't remember if it was Neymar or if it was Mbappe, but he was like one of only two centre backs to actually tackle one of them in the league. Yeah, but 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 what I, I suppose the point is like he's still not proven, as is Marie not proven. That they just they just feel like valuable players. No, of course not. But n- neither's Gabriel. Neither's Gabriel. He's played three games. If we if we look at the but it could be a Mustafi. As in like we we're saying you know Gabriel could be somebody we take moving forward. Mustafi went on an incredible run of games when he first joined, and we you know he looked like a top centre back, and then he fell off a cliff. Yes, his confidence went. You know, I was gassed after watching five games of Mustafi and he was smashing it, you know, his, but then his confidence went and his, he, he went like he, it just bottomed out. And I think this is the thing is we don't know what's going to happen in the next 12 months. I think if we do loan him out, it will be good for him because it will get him away from the calamitous mess that is Mustafi and other players. And it will stick him in another defense in a league where he already speaks the language fluently and perfectly. And he can get playing time under his belt. But next season, I think we'll see a massive, massive defensive reshuffle. There's going to be a lot of exits, either on free transfers or kind of your Chambers is going for 10 million or your holdings going to Newcastle for 5 million or whatever. And we will rebuild that defence because I, th- I think our attack is is stocked with Martinelli, with Aubameyang staying, with Nketiah, Saka, William. with Pepe, with Enketia, with William, with... Nelson and if you look that maybe we sell Lacazette and bring in a a kind of if if we can convince him to stay bring Balogun up and kind of have Balogun and Enketia understudying Aubameyang Mm. I personally would be fine with that if that means that next summer we can fix our defense because if we fix our midfield this summer it will earn us more points because we'll actually have a midfield rather than last season where we just didn't have one and we fix our defense next summer you're talking about a really well-built side um i just think that the quicker we try to move on from certain players the better it'll be for us in the long run we need to move on from lacazette we need to move on from socrates i love lacazette i think he's a, a lovely guy who i've loved having at the club for the last three four years however long it's been but he is past his best and it seems to now be a situation where we're shoehorning a player in rather than... Because we've had the conversation that he's a massively confidence-based player. Yeah. How long do you just throw that name on the team sheet to try and build confidence when, if you were to play Aubameyang centrally, he'd be taking the chances a lot better than... It's a massive yeah. conundrum at the moment. It's a, it's a catch-22 of kind of you know you drop a player because well you have to keep playing a player to build them the confidence but if they're not playing well then they don't get the confidence but then when you if you drop them you give them you know it's very very tricky but yeah on the on the centre-back situation I think we've just found ourselves in a very tricky spot and we'll have to see how we get out of it on the final bits of the game then I mean we had the penalties I thought everyone did pretty well um Joe Willock's penalty was horrific yeah um who 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 got saved? Someone got saved. Oh, oh, El Nenny. 
It was El Nanny. El Nanny missed his penalty. Um, and we we must talk about the coolest man on the planet, Angel oh. Maitland Niles. Gorgeous. I, I I've never told I never told you this, but when it was rumored that um I did this as a joke. When it was rumored that he was going to Wolves, I sent him a message on Insta just being like, please don't leave. <laughs> You're turning into one of those fans. Mate, honestly, I think it would have been the worst decision we've seen at our football club in a long, in a long time, time to let that man He's, leave. Oh, Unbelievable. The source, Unbelievable the drip, versatility. the smile, the smile. Oh. Loved it. He's he's unbelievable. He's I I rate him so much. When he has a good game, he is on yeah. fire. He's perfect if we're playing that kind of five three whatever it is or that three four three to play that wing back moving into central midfield role. Like, he's yeah. unbelievable at it. Yeah. So I had one more question from El Caballero, who is at Garloville. Apologies if I've butchered your name. Hello, El Caballero. <laughs> What does El, El Caballero mean? El Caballero. Give it, give it a Google. Dun, dun, dun. The knight, as in like the knight, knight in shining armour. The knight. We've had a message from the knight. Uh, and he <laughs> says, I just want to know, is Arsenal that skint? I understand the wages are blocking the possibility of moving on a lot of the players that are not part of Mikel's plans. Very frustrating. And I think it it kind of comes into a, a wider conversation that I kind of want to have to to end today's episode. The Awar situation and moving players out has felt tricky. And it was always going to be tricky in a COVID situation. Yeah. Yeah, I, I understand we're relying on a self-sustaining model. Uh, and I, you know, we've seen some comments from Arteta in the last couple of hours basically being like, you know, I have the full backing of the owner and that's fine. But does that mean the financial backing of the owner? Because no, it clearly doesn't. it doesn't, you know, clearly based on the, and to answer um, the question, we've seen from the Swiss Ramble um, financial report that essentially, you know, we we have nothing we've we've had nothing invested in the last five years and we're we're relying on the self sustaining model so we have to ship these players out before we can replace them now obviously obviously coronavirus and lack of Champions League affects everything but it does feel I think if we were going to invest now feels like the time we you know we we've had some success with this manager we've we have an exciting group of players if we added a few players we could really you know it feels like that what was that summer when we had like Urzil, alexis Cazorla, like that the petacek that summer was the petacek was the summer. summer to capitalize and it feels like we're in another one of those situations where if we don't capitalize now we risk really losing out and i'm 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 Absolutely. i don't know how you feel but i'm really concerned about this how our deal all this party deal not going through massively concerned massively concerned i think it's an absolute failing on arsenal's part whether it be the board whether it be crunky whoever if we do not get both our and party because both deals are doable you know we trigger the release clause for 45 million i think it's pounds or it might even be euros which would make it cheaper and, you know, uh, our lass has said that uh, our is available for kind of between, what, 35 and 45 million. So, again, you're talking about a 90 million pound spend, which in the grand scheme of things is not a lot of money when you consider that City have just bought a centre back for 62 million pounds. And this this summer was the summer to do an entire rebuild. This summer was the summer 
to to say to Napoli, sure, take Socrates, and to say to other clubs, take these players off of our wage bill, just even if it's for two million pounds, and then go and spend fifteen. Car losses. Yeah, car losses, and then go and spend fifteen million pounds on a Ben Godfrey from Norwich, or kind of. 20 million pounds here this was the summer to literally ship out all of the deadwood and bring in a lot of players because players will not be this cheap again for a while because of rona so it does massively concern me that we are not making moves in this market and obviously that might be because oh it's i mean it is definitely because we're not getting the financial backing from the from the owners traditionally kind of in the last few years we've had an we get we've we normally have about a 40 million pound transfer budget with Europa League football and it's kind of 60 to 70 with Champions League football which you know isn't massive but if you think we we've done 40 we're, we're looking at 40 million pounds we've sold Martinez for 20 million so that's 60 million quid we've spent 20 Two or twenty-three on Gabriel. Something. So you're looking at thir- yeah. you're looking that we've got about thirty-five yeah. to forty million uh, quid left in the coffers. It's it's really hard to know those those figures. I, I I follow your logic financially, but I think it's so difficult to know where we are with those because we don't know what running costs are, we don't mm-hmm. know what wages are, we don't know what add-ons are, we don't know the real. No, but it's it's more you just look at the net spend of the last few years, and it just seems to be really consistent in the fact that we only paid yeah. thirteen million for Pepe last season. So if you actually look at what we spent, yeah, it you wasn't can you can base you can basically work out okay the reported. You know, we can figure out around where we are. I mean, you know, we we can see what players mm-hmm. are at the club and what players aren't at the club and around what fees we 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 purported to get, which you know tend to be tend to be about right and who knows but yeah the it feels as though we have a lack of backing from the owner and I haven't felt that massively like I've always thought like you know spending 50 million on Lacazette and 60 million on Aubameyang within the space of a couple of months like you know clearly there is some some backing from Kroenke but now I think post Wenger it feels as though we've kind of been left out in the open a little bit. Yeah. And to compete, and, and especially I know, I know there's stuff going on with other stadiums and other franchises that he owns. It feels a little bit like we've been forgotten. And, I, and, 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 you know, for an hour, we're looking at 40 million euros, which supposedly, which isn't crazy for a player of his value and, co- and a potential resale value. It's an investment that literally improves the team and in the future, if we handle the situation correctly, which hopefully mm-hmm. we now have the, the people in, we can protect that asset and protect that value. Of course, of course. And I agree with you. I just think that this situation is kind of part and parcel of the um, the Neymar transfer and the changing of the the kind of valuation of players. If you looked at the money we were spending in that kind of Wenger era in his last legs and you look at, you know, we were signing Alexis Sanchez for £35 million and we were signing Meza Ozil for £42.5 million. Meza Ozil at the time, who was a World Cup winner, a, a European Championship winner. It didn't... I think it is more about kind of how far your money goes nowadays. And so I don't think I don't think it's about the... I don't think the investment in the club has changed. I just think how far our self-sustaining model can go now has changed with the increase in valuation of players. We used to be able to pick up a Giroud who was a perfectly serviceable 
second striker off the bench option for £10 million. Giroud, when we bought him kind of at that age profile in today's market, is probably a 20 to £25 million striker. You know, if you think Ollie Watkins has just gone to Villa for £33 million, you're looking at players that it's it's less about how much is being invested and more about how the market has changed now. Thomas Partey is not a £45 million player. He's a £60 million midfielder, easily. The same with Hussam Awa. But because of the situation where he has this release clause with Partey and a situation where Leon are desperate for the money because of Corona and missing out on Champions League football. Oh, it's European football. They're not in any European, I don't think, any European football. They are going to have to accept a lower fee. And this is the worrying thing is, Players are only going to start to get more expensive from here. So if we're not sorting out these issues now, it's going to really hurt us in the long run. You think like a Saliba. A Saliba costs us 30 million, not upfront cost. I think we paid 7 million upfront. We're paying like 7 million a year for the next five years or whatever. It's the same kind of structure as the Pepe deal. But a Saliba pre-Neymar costs... 12 and a half million pounds, 15 million pounds for, for the whole fee. And this is the issue. It's more kind of endemic of the financial implications of football have massively changed. So it is now a situation where it's, we need Champions League football if we're doing this self-sustaining model to compete for these players. And that's the worrying thing is that nobody seems to have realized that this is the market reset and then everything's going to kick back into normal. So we need to take advantage now. Yeah, yeah. I I just had a look at the French League One uh, quickly just to see where because I I I wondered whether Lyon had, had snuck into Europa League. But you're right, they um they were no they were no European football. And interestingly, Rennes, who potentially might be taking Saliba in the Champions League, so that might be a good little option for Saliba to get some Champions League experience as well. Mm. All right, Brad, I've got to edit this thing, so let's let's wrap it up there. And it's a beast. It's we a will beast. wrap it up. Uh, listen, thank you for being so patient today, Alex. You are a legend. Oh, stop it. Uh, Bradley, pleasure as always. You're gonna say bye. I love how you never say bye to anyone. I, I just thought I, I'll just leave such an alpha. Move. I leave the sign on and the sign off to you, babes. <laughs> I was like, okay, thanks everyone. You go. <laughs> it's because I never know if you're gonna like actually sign off or if you're waiting for me. Should we? Should we create a sign off? Maybe we oh, need a sign off. Yeah, maybe. We, no, it needs to come organically. Maybe. Yeah, we'll do like. We'll have a, a chat about it. Okay. Should we? Should we try a little? Yeah. Tata for now. No, that's Tata for now. Tata for now. <laughs> God. All right. Uh, listen, everyone, have a great, uh, have a great weekend, and we'll see you after the Sheffield game. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiffKnock and check out our website, thedifferentknock.com. Thanks. Sports Social Podcast Network.